Wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business? Listen in to find out how. Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugolo, and on this show, I interview changemakers, healers, artists, and entrepreneurs about what fires them up and how they put their dreams into action. Now, oftentimes, we don't think about hiring a lawyer until we're in trouble, but that may not always be the best idea. And here to share another way of running our businesses is Freya Schaffner. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Linda. This is a real pleasure and something fun to do on an unbelievably cold day. Yes, it is here <laughs> in Massachusetts. So tell me about who you work with in your, in your lawyering. Certainly. Uh, Schaffner & Associates is a very small law firm. We're located in the Prudential Tower in Boston, Massachusetts. And we focus on taking care of small businesses and the families who own them. Most of our clients are in business, not necessarily startups where their idea is to get a lot of investors and then sell off quickly, but people who own and run their businesses for a long time, for their lifetime, or maybe even for generations. Businesses that you run across every single day and maybe don't think too much about. Uh, your dry cleaner, the local baker, lumberyard, the company that comes into your office and fixes the elevator. All of these are small businesses that have a unique set of needs and then behind it their families who have all of the challenges that everybody else has plus the extra thrill if you will of running their own business so what do you see as the biggest mistakes that small business owners make when it comes to legal issues the biggest mistake small business owners make is not selecting a lawyer or law firm to work with them on an ongoing basis. And actually what they should do is establish a line item in their budget for legal every year. Because as you said, most people don't think about consulting a lawyer until they're in trouble. And if you go back to any management theory, the idea is don't be putting out fires. Make a plan and follow the plan. And the same thing goes along with how small businesses and their families work best with a lawyer. Because what I do a lot of the time with my clients is to help them plan so that the project that they're going to take on or the people that they're going to hire or the sale of their business goes smoothly. And that helps them avoid litigation. The biggest mistake they can make is waiting until somebody sues them mm. because that's just plain expensive. Mm -hmm. So like what are the things that people aren't really considering when, when you know, they think, well, what exactly would I have a lawyer do? What are some of the things that you would help? Let's start at the beginning. Two people want to start a bakery. Okay, I can help them figure out what's the best kind of entity 
so that they can be, have the ground rules. Who's going to do what? I can help them with their licensing, their permitting, negotiating their lease, not only just for the space, but think of all of the equipment that you'd have to have in a bakery. I can help them with their employee relations. These days, there's so much regulation, even for a small business. Do I need to provide health insurance? How many days off do I have to give people? How much do I have to pay them? What do we do with the tips? How do I deal with the Board of Health? All those things, shoot me an email, send me a text, give me a phone call. I could probably help you a lot more quickly than if you wait until all of a sudden you get a notice that, well, you know, you violated the Board of Health regulation and they're shutting you down today. Mm. So just a few examples, mm -hmm. Linda. Yeah, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people would say, oh, I'll just Google that, I'll look it up. But I'm thinking all the hours that could be spent when you really could use your energy for doing what you do best in your business and get those questions answered quickly. Yes, that's exactly right. Sure, maybe you can, you can, you can Google it and maybe you'll get the right answer. And you've spent an hour, two hours, then days. <laughs> for a few days, and then, oh my goodness, you know, oh, I know, I can just get that on Rocket Law. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, you can get a form on Rocket Law, but it may not suit your business's needs. And the only way that you're going to find out about that is the hard way mm. when something goes wrong. The other thing that we do at Schaffner Associates is that we teach our clients as we work with them. So that, for example, an employment contract, a lot of my clients use employment contracts for their super special employees. Okay, you don't want me to have to build an employment contract from scratch every time. So I'll make one that's custom for your company and then we'll set it up so that you or your assistant can fill in the blanks. Then if you get a different situation, again, just give us a call, we can make the change. Sure, you could try that on Rocket Law, but again, the time, and you're not sure that it's right. Mm -hmm. And it's so important with a small business to make sure that you get it right the first time. Because, I know, you're not Google. You don't have a few million dollars to throw away on a mistake. Mm -hmm. So what kind of, have you seen some unfortunate mistakes? Oh, yes. <laughs> share, share, share a few of the doozies. Oh, the biggest one that we get is not recognizing the unbelievable power of the tax man. Mm. So common with small businesses that oh, maybe things are a little bit tight, you keep everything running, but you miss that quarterly estimated payment. And then you miss another one, and maybe one after that. And from there, the situation begins to snowball. And I hate it when I get called in to deal with a critical 
tax situation. That's the biggest one. Um, we did we did have one client who owed the IRS three quarters of a million dollars. Wow. Yeah, but but we figured it out. He's still in business and doing better than ever. Mm. So. An example of a, a, a real scary one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and do you ever come across, you know, people, companies being sued that you have to um, kind of untangle for them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, it's, uh, not to sound too excited about it, but absolutely. There are, there are so, it's, it's a litigious society and everybody seems to watch, you know, Judge Judy or whoever else. So the response very often when a customer is dissatisfied is not to pick up the phone and complain, but to run down to the local courthouse and file a complaint. So we deal with um, small claims from customers who had a question. We also have dealt, unfortunately, with uh, employment discrimination issues, employees who believe that uh, the reason that they were discharged had something to do with their belonging to a protective category. And um, then we've, you know, we've had other lawsuits that are, frankly, similar to a family divorce, where, you know, one brother will decide that he doesn't want to work with his other brother and his sister anymore. And we have to untangle this. So quite a variety of untanglings that we've done over the years. Mm -hmm. The important thing in all of those situations that I've outlined, and those are all real ones, is that we were able to work it out. And the client didn't have to spend five years in litigation. We were able to get to the root of the problem, reach a resolution, and move on. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like that's your, your mission, and your goal is to have things go as simply and effectively as they can, given the situation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. the, the goal for us is to help our clients stay in business happily and profitably for a long time. And when they get ready to sell, to be able to go through that process smoothly and effectively so that they can take their rewards and head to, to Tahiti or wherever. <laughs> right. <laughs> right now I'm thinking right. Tahiti, seriously, yeah, that, Tahiti. Yeah, Tahiti sounds good at this moment. <laughs> so how did you, why law? What drew you to law? Well, actually it came about because our, our family had a small business and we sold specialty dental products my brother-in-law, my sister, my husband, and myself. Uh, my brother-in-law had several patents. We had trademarks, we had copyrights, and we were selling all over the United States and abroad. And one day, we opened up a magazine and saw that somebody was infringing on our trademark. So, after about three weeks of being run around, very seriously by the very large, uh, typical law firm that you'd envision in Boston, Massachusetts with the very thin china cups. 
drink tepid tea out of china cups and write huge checks and then nothing. After about three weeks, my husband just out of nowhere said, that's it, I've had it. There's not a decent small business lawyer in the Commonwealth, so you're going to law school. <laughs> I had a degree in art. <laughs> and a 10-month-old baby. So that's how it started. And how did it happen that you were the designated one? Still don't know the answer to that. <laughs> but somehow you took, you took it up. I did. I did. It was, it was, it was really a collective effort. I, I, people would say, well, how do you do this? You're running a business. You have all these children. You're going to law school. And I said, mm. I run around and make a mess. Everybody cleans up after me. But it was, it was three and a half very intense years. Um, it took a lot of organization. For example, I found out the hard way that I had to have all of my Christmas gifts purchased, wrapped, hidden and coded by Labor Day, or it wasn't going to happen. And the code was because by the time I'd get to Christmas, I'd open the closet. You wouldn't know who was I had no idea not at all. What, what is this? So hence the code. It did was, uh, like I said, three and a half very interesting years. So were there surprises for you in law? Like, did you, like, was it this new discovery? Oh, I actually enjoy this? Or, like, how did you, because you have to maintain some kind of motivation to put in all that work. Law, uh, learning yes. the law is very detailed-oriented in my yeah, you're, yes. mind. Yes, and actually I'm... I'm thinking of my professor, Michael Rustad, who said to me one day, you know, you're just one of those people who loves this complex statutory law. And he, he wasn't necessarily being complimentary. <laughs> but yes, I, I, love, I love research. I've always loved figuring things out. And I'm a, I'm a fool for a puzzle. And all of those things I found in law school. And then, of course, I focused a fair amount of my studies on the litigation aspect of things, the courtroom appellate practice. So that meant that at least every quarter I'd get to be in rough equivalent, equivalent of the school play, hmm. where I'd you know, do a, a mock argument about one subject or another in front of pretend judges or sometimes real judges. So that was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I, I really enjoyed the puzzle aspect of all of the studies. And that's what I've carried into my practice is that I love learning new things. I love learning about different clients, how their businesses work what their problems are, what the stumbling blocks are, and then, like you said, how to untangle all of that so that they have a much clearer path from where they are to, as I said earlier, a happier, more profitable way of doing business. Because just as you mentioned, you can't do, you can't go to law school, it's very detailed, it's hard, it's really hard. You can't do that without some serious motivation. And when people go into business for themselves with their friends or their family or even some investors, 
is it's, it's a full-on commitment and you have to have some sense that you know, there's value in what you're doing and if you're constantly dealing with these legal issues that pop up and trying to figure out well what lawyer do I hire for this or who do I ask for that or what you know where am I when we're going to go to rocket law or wherever there's just too much work mm -hmm. so the idea is to make it easier yeah so you went three and a half years yes was the family business still running when you got out yes were you able to help your own you know family business through the um, studies oh yeah I, absolutely. We, um, like I said, we were dealing with specialty dental products and you know, through my studies in tort law, tort being, you know, somebody trips and falls or their cup of coffee spills in their lap or whatever, we definitely applied that actually to our packaging so that we changed the information that was included in the packaging to make sure that it was very straightforward and it might there wasn't, wasn't going to be any risk that someone would use the product improperly and end up blaming us. Mm -hmm. um, and what about the copyright infringement or the patent infringement? Oh yeah, that yeah, that went away. It did. It did went away. Uh -huh. It did. It yeah, it went away. Actually, when that was part of the reason why Nick decided I had to go to law school because I got so tired of waiting for the lawyer. I just called up the other guy and said, you got to stop this. And we went around and around a little bit, and we, and we worked it out. Wow. That's, that's encouraging. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, here you went to law school because of this, but then ended up working it out just by communication. Right. Right. Which is what you're talking about you would love to see more of. Absolutely. And if you think about it, I like my clients to stay away from litigation. We really, it's very expensive. But the litigation process itself is actually designed to force communication between the disagreeing parties. And as any good judge will tell you, the object, their objective, is to bring people to a settlement. Unless there's a really interesting issue of law or fact, then maybe it's a good idea to bring it to the jury or bring it to a judge. But in most cases, the best solution is a negotiated solution. Mm. So I'm very curious about like the growing of the business, the law business. So you got your law degree, you were involved in a family business. How, how did you even start, like you have your own firm, how did you start out? I started out, the term is of counsel, with a friend of mine and his partner, David Lavian, who at the time was 85 years old and had been historically, I think, one of the most brilliant practitioners in the city. Um, unfortunately, my friend, the guy who brought me into the firm, passed away less than a year after I finished law school. So at that point, I kind of, I sort of had to, well, I very much had to ramp up what I was doing because I had to pick up what he had been doing. About 
a year and a half after that, Mr. Lavian and I became partners. My name went on the door. The structure of that business changed. And then in 2000, when he was 98 years old, <laughs> it, was, it was time for him to focus on other things, and I moved out onto my own at that point. Wow. And so, like, um, you must have had, so you had your clients at that time. So when you moved out on your own, you already had yes. clientele to begin with. And mm -hmm. um, do you have a partner now? Do you? I don't have so, a partner. Uh-huh. So you've, um, you work as a solo? Well, I have, I have a couple of associates mm -hmm. and I have a paralegal. We also have a, a bookkeeping arm because we do a fair amount of probate practice, which involves organizing somebody's financial affairs after they've passed away. Mm -hmm. So at any given time, there's somewhere between four and ten of us. Mm -hmm. At most, I've had four associates, at, and then sometimes I've just been on my own. It depends on, really depends on the nature of our business and what the needs of my clients are. And mm -hmm. I expand and contract based on really really based on the needs of my clients mm -hmm. and but you you said well how did you build your practice because although I had uh, Greg's cases to take care of yeah I did have to to uh, to build my practice and what I focused on was uh, my friends my family and uh, the people in my church mm-hmm and as people got to know who I was as a lawyer and what I could do to help them, they became clients and then their friends became clients and so on and so on. And I have, I have clients who are friends of mine in kindergarten. Wow, wow. Well, that's really the best, you know, that by reputation, your business grows. It is the it is the best, and it's it's a nice obligation. It's nice to if, if think of it this way. One can advertise, and people could come in for this activity or that activity or the other one. But from my perspective, I want to bring my best to every relationship with every client and to do that in such a way that the relationship can continue to grow. Again, always focused on making things easier for my clients, not just necessarily, not necessarily just padding my retirement account, which is what you know, everybody says about their lawyer, oh, wow, I bet he got a great vacation out of this case. Mm -hmm. It's not, not the point. The point is I want to make things easier and better for my clients. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel inspired. I'm thinking, well, I really need to get on this. <laughs> Absolutely, because you know, even when you're not in business, there are little legal things that it's smart to take care of. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's well, the magic basket. This is a magic basket. I'd love for you to pick a wild card and uh, riff on whatever it is that you pick. Focus. Ooh, that's a yeah. The right kind of focus is 
a bit of a challenge, at least for me, in my practice because there, there were so many different areas where I could really zero in and focus while everything else spins out of control. So with what I do in you know, having my practice and my family, is I have to be aware that I may be very much focused on the project of the moment, but I have to re reserve enough energy for the things that are happening at that moment in my periphery. So, see, so many times with younger people who come into the practice of law where that's it. And granted, the days are long. I mean, we, you know, it's, it's 60 hours a week. It's not much of a week for a lawyer. But it's so easy just to focus on that, that client or the next, the next career move within the practice of law that you forget that you have to save some energy for a more diverse focus, less laser-like, for the other aspects of your life because practice is going to be there. Lawyers are going to be there forever, but your friends and family aren't around for very long, so you have to keep that in mind, too. Uh, well, that's a great answer, very wise. I, I'm taking that in. I feel like it relates to my life as well, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this has been really educational. I'm sure that a lot of people have benefited from hearing your perspective, your stories, your your experiences, and how can people find you? Actually, I'm pretty easy to find. Our website is schaffnerassociates.com, S-H-O-F-F-N-E-R. can also reach us the old-fashioned way by telephone, 617-369-0111. And you can email me at fashoffner at shoffnerassociates.com. That's I'm great. always there. I have a, um, a question. So does someone need to be local in order to benefit from your services? Anywhere in Massachusetts, I travel. Mm -hmm. I make house calls. And the beauty of it is that we don't, we have... We have Skype, we have Google Chat, we have FaceTime, and I'm always available electronically. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate Thank you, Linda. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> so perhaps you've got something in your life coming up, a presentation, some videos that you're making, some teaching, and you would like to be really on your game. I suggest that you download the Fear to Fabulous Blueprint, Mastering the Inner Game of Speaking Live or on Camera, which you can get on my website at lindayugalow.com forward slash blueprint. I hope you enjoyed this show and be sure to tune in to the next episode. Thank you for listening to Women Inspired. The show is recorded live in the studios of Bedford TV in Massachusetts. Music courtesy of Sheik Gamin. If you like this episode, please leave a review or comment. 
You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or watch all the TV episodes of Women Inspired with the show notes and links at www.lindayugalo.com forward slash TV. Thank you.